are in the third week of our re-series, and so we've been hitting on words each week. This is the third one um, with the prefix that has R-E in front of it. And so we were inspired by some verses found in Philippians. And so that's a book written by a guy named Paul in the Bible. And so if you don't know anything about Paul, Paul is a traveling minister who would go from town to town teaching about Jesus, trying to convince people that his way is the right way, and and just really bringing more and more people into following the way of Jesus. And so what would happen is Paul would go to a town gather up people who are interested, who are searching. He would oftentimes talk to Jewish people, and they would come to know Jesus as the Son of God, the, the resurrected Son, and as a Savior. And so what would happen is, in these towns, there would be churches. And so they'd come together, and so Paul would then leave to go to another town and start another church, but that church would still stay there. And so when we read this verse in Philippians, Paul's writing a letter to a group of Christians who are part of one church, and so he would write letters often, and so that's like a majority of the New Testament are these letters that different people would write, and Paul wrote, wrote a lot of those, and so he would write these letters to correct, he'd write these letters to encourage Christians and to update the churches that he had been with in the past, and so he opens one of these letters Philippians that we're going to read, and and this is like our theme verse for the series, and it's found in Philippians 1, and so it's verses 3 through 6, and Paul says this, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And so to unpack that a little bit, we see Paul, and this is some some key things that he says. He says his prayers have, uh, or his thinking has turned to thanks for all of his friends. His prayers have become joyful requests, and that these people are his close colleagues, his friends, helping him tell others about Jesus. And so finally, he ends it like this, and he says, God's going to finish the work that he has started within them. And so this whole series is all about just reminding ourselves that we need to know that the work we are, that God has started in us is going to be completed. That it's going to continue on. That there's things in our lives that are going to happen, but God is continually working through us, shaping us, and calling us to his mission. And so this is what this series is all about. And so how can we reinforce the work that God has started in us? That's what we're talking about today. How can we daily let the work of God change us until we meet the end of our lives or until Jesus returns, as Paul said. And so in week one, we talked about renew. That was our first word, as renew. And we said that everyone needs renewal. That was our big idea, talking about everyone needs renewal. And so we do that by seeking after God daily, by being in his word, by praying. And when we do that on a consistent basis, we are continually renewed, and God is using us for his glory. And then the second week, last week, we talked about rediscover. And we said rediscovering is important because we need to rediscover the mission of Jesus. We need to get back to the basics. Remember that time when we first chose to follow Jesus. And for some, maybe last week was the first week that they chose to follow Jesus. And so today we're moving on to recommit. 
That is today's word, is we are recommitting. And so when I think of recommit, I think of, I mean, I am always in the sports vein, so I'm thinking sports, and I think of people who recommit. And of course, I jump to Michael Jordan, because he was like my like sports hero growing up, because, you know, I, was, I lived in Portland, and the Bulls beat the Portland Trailblazers in the finals when I was a little kid. And I was like, eh, Michael Jordan won. You know, I was like, wasn't that sad about it. And so, you know, he wins three championships, but then tragedy in his life, and he begins to play baseball. And so what does he do, though? He realizes he's no good at baseball, and so he recommits to basketball. And then, you know, then it's like the height of my basketball NBA love is when those last three seasons of Michael Jordan. And ever since, I just haven't cared about the NBA, mostly you know, there's no basketball around here, so it's kind of sad, um, with no Sonics and stuff. But then my, one of my other favorite heroes was Brett Favre, and he's the guy every season, you're like, am I going to retire, or am I not going to be, re- be retired? And I'm a Packers fan, and so it was interesting when he retired, and then he recommitted to playing football, but with, like, our diehard hated Minnesota Vikings, and Corey's just cheering back there because he's a Vikings fan. But so we see this recommitting, and it reminded me of a story when I was a fifth grader, a young basketball prodigy, and my coach would tell me, man, you have a sweet shot. Just keep practicing it, and you're going to go places. And so I just remember doing that and thinking, man, like maybe I could be the next Michael Jordan. This chubby little fifth grader was thinking that he could be Michael Jordan. And I just remember, you know, I was on, like, the good team in fifth grade. I was on, like, the highest team. And I, there was one game where I made a bunch of points, and I was so excited. And the coach is like, what did you have for breakfast? And I said, pancakes. And so he's like, you should have pancakes every game. So every game I had pancakes, probably too many to eat, like, before a basketball game. And so the fifth grade season ends. I, I continue to dominate um, on the schoolyard playing bump or lightning or knockout, whatever you call it. I was the champion of knockout in Beaverton, Cooper Mountain Elementary School. You know, if we had a wall of fame, I would be on it but they didn't acknowledge those kinds of records. Um, But anyway, sixth grade comes around, and what happens? I break my toe like the week before basketball tryouts. So I couldn't play, couldn't walk, couldn't run. And so then finally, like weeks later, the season has already started. I wasn't able to practice or be on there, and I get put on the C team. And so there's this moment where, like, you know, you should start hearing, like, the, the sound of, like, chariots of fire, you know, in your ears. Because, like, you'll, you'll think about my desire and recommitting myself to basketball after a tragic injury of a broken toe. But unfortunately, I stayed on the C team the rest of the season. My family moved uh, from states. I moved to Spokane, Washington, seventh grade. I tried out for basketball, and I was no good. I got put on the C team there, too. And so I wish I could tell you there's this, like, triumphant recommitting to basketball in my life. I never had that moment. But today we're talking about recommitting and kind of reshaping ourselves to commit our gifts to God. And so we're going to read a verse from 1 Peter. And if you've never read 1 Peter, what he's writing about is he's encouraging Christians who are being persecuted at the time being physically harmed for following Jesus. And so he's reminding them of their hope 
in their reliance on the salvation of Jesus. He's reminding them on how to approach sin and reminding them how to live holy lives. And so then we have a verse here where he's instructing them on how to play a role in relationships with others, both in the church and then outside of the church. So let's read that together. It's 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. And he says this, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And so the people that Peter is writing to are committed to the mission of Jesus to the point that they're being persecuted, to the point that they're being physically harmed. And so they're beginning to question, you know, is this the right path for us? And Peter says that no matter what you're going through, continue to look for strategic opportunities to show deep love for one another. Keep walking in the mission of Jesus and look for missional moments is how we would probably say it here at Open Life. And so just to refresh, when we're talking about the mission of Jesus, we're talking about Jesus' mission to lead people into right relationship with God, both in their hearts and in their minds and in their actions. Uh, and so on this side of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we have the opportunity to do the same thing, to point people to Jesus, to lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus so that their hearts can be changed, so that people's minds can be changed, and so then our actions can be changed. And so when we're talking about missional moments, we're talking about the opportunity that each of us have to interact with people both inside the church and outside of the church, that when we leave their presence, they could say, or maybe just know and feel hey, I think that person is a follower of Jesus. That's what we would want when we're talking about missional moments is when we take opportunities to lead someone into a growing relationship with Jesus. That maybe that's an introduction or maybe that's an encouragement of someone who is already following Jesus. But missional moments provide us the opportunity to let someone encounter Jesus through us. And so how can we do this? How can we do it? Well, we can do it because, and this is our big idea, is you are gifted for the mission of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are gifted for the mission of Jesus. It's not like some people have gifts and other people don't. You are gifted for the mission of Jesus. And so you might be thinking, you know what, I don't feel gifted. I don't feel that presence. I don't feel like God has entrusted me with great skills bow hunting skills, backpacking skills, you know, whatever. But you would say, I'm just not gifted. And so I think the important thing to remember is that our gifts are not about our fulfillment or how they make us feel. Our gifts are about how they serve others, how they show others love, and how they make other people feel. And so if we do something and it edifies something else, if we do something and it serves them, if we do something and it encourages other people, if we do something and they're lifted up, maybe that something is your gifting. Maybe that is what you have been gifted from from God's many spiritual gifts in order to impact his mission. And so we read actually that in this 
Peter splits these giftings up into two different categories. And so the first one is speaking, where we are able to speak with the knowledge of God as if God is speaking through us. And then serving, where we are, we, we are able to serve others out of the strength that God has provided us. And so other places in the New Testament, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, he has a list of gifts and they include speaking. And so these would be fall under that category, is apostleship, prophecy, teaching, tongues, and exhortation. But then he also acknowledges the serving gifts as well. He says giving is serving, leading is serving, mercy is serving, helps is serving, healing is serving, and miracles are serving. And so sometimes we just have to do this self-examination, this self-diagnostic, and just say, God, how have you gifted me to help other people? How have you gifted me to love other people? And because sometimes we think if it's not this super magical spiritual gift that not everyone is flocking to, then it's not a spiritual gift that I want. But when we realize that our gifts are not for us, they're for other people, I think we can acknowledge and find those gifts inside of us much, much easier. And so we have four thoughts to kind of talk about this and the fact that you are gifted for the mission of Jesus. And so thought one is that we need to pray that others experience Jesus because of your gifts. We need to pray and sit down and just say, God, I want you to bless other people because of the giftings that you have given me. Verse 7 says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. So let me just be really clear. Prayer is not a gift. Prayer is something that we're all called to, to do daily and to be in relationship with God. Prayer is one of the most amazing opportunities where we can just sit before God and pray and just let Him speak into our lives to be able to love us and just lift us up when we might be having a hard day. And so there are people that are gifted in prayer that are obviously going to be super, like, it's just natural to pray, but all of us are called to pray and all of us need to be prayers. We are called to pray earnest and disciplined prayers. And so we pray earnestly for our gifts to help others experience Jesus And we discipline ourselves to use our gifts to serve others. And so maybe your prayers are to find your gift. Maybe you're thinking, God, what gifts have you bestowed upon me? Which gifts have you called me to? Which gifts have you given me? And maybe you know your gifts, but you're actually praying to use your gifts. God, which situations in my life are you calling me to bless others? What things have you given me that I'm going to bless and love on other people? You have and you have been gifted with spiritual gifts. Now we need to pray about how to use those and bless other people. And so I remember a time in college where I was a sophomore in, I went to North, I'm like brain farting right now. I went to Northwest University in Kirkland, Washington. And when I was a sophomore, I had been there a year and a half and I was a ministry major. And so one of the things you should do is be involved in ministry when you're a ministry major. And so what I had done for the first year of my college career was just kind of go from church to church to see, you know, what all the places in Seattle had offered. So I went to a church in Renton and Shoreline in um, Marysville. I went to a church in Kirkland and Bellevue, all over, just to kind of see, you know, where can I get involved. And so I remember that sophomore year, I was like, you know what, I really need to get planted somewhere. I really need to find somewhere that I can serve and be a part of. And so I just began, like, um, praying and asking 
God for to like move through that. And so then I hooked up with Thad. He was at Northwest Family Church, and Thad's the senior uh, like lead pastor of Open Life, just so you know. And so, I, but he was at Northwest Family Church in Auburn before this. And so I remember like. I had a relationship with him. He was a youth pastor for like three years when I was a junior hire back in Spokane. And so coming back, I was like, hey, I should see what that's doing. And so I go there and I just begin to pray. And of course, there's this like relationship me and Thad had where he's like, hey, like, and you know, he didn't have any help. And so he's like, hey, you should get plugged in here. And so is this this moment like, yeah, that would be cool. But you begin to, begin to pray and you speak to God, what have you gifted me to do and how can you use me? And so there was openings there like where he needed help with media stuff, with worship stuff, with speaking stuff. And those are things that God, I really felt while I'm in college, that God had given me and gifted me for. And so there was this time where I had to just step in faith. God, I think this is an opportunity for me to use the gifts you've given me in ministry. So it's as simple as just acknowledging the gifts that we have and asking God to just use them in practical situations. And you never will know how far that will go. And so sometimes, though, we, we run into obstacles when we're choosing to use our gifts. And I just want to throw out this thought number two to help you in that when we're trying to begin to use our gifts. And that is this. Love is a book, not a chapter. And in verse 8 of that verse that we read in First Peter, it said, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. So our gifts are rooted in love and service for others. If we have gifts and they're not lifting people up, if they're not entrenched in love for other people, then they're probably not gifts that God has given you. If you're using your gifts and plowing over people or just marginalizing people and not looking to the needs of others, then that's not a gift that God has given you to use for his glory. Let me just say that. You might still have a gift in that, but that's weird. But, um, but this can be intimidating when we're loving other people because we might be timid at first to acknowledge those gifts and actually begin to use them. And so if I have a gift only so that I am encouraged, then the exercise of that gift is easy. But when I have to depend on my gift serving other people and loving other people, then it becomes intimidating. It becomes a little scary. And so we like to get, you know, all up, get ready to do one moment. And maybe that act of love or act of service or act of investing in someone doesn't work out the way you want it. And we think, well, I'm not gifted that. I'm running away from this. Let me just remind you that when you love people, it's going to be messy. And don't write a chapter and think it's a whole book when you're using your gifts. But realize that when we're loving and serving people, we're talking about a lifetime of following Jesus and loving people. And so there are people that we get to invest into to serve. And when it doesn't work out, we might think this is their story. This is their whole story. And like we've just blown it or they've blown it. But really, this is a chapter in their life. And I just think about my own personal life growing up and just even up until today, all the people that have invested in me and used their gifts that God has given them to serve me and just lift me up and encourage me. I'm so thankful that those people looked at those times of giving their gifts and using their gifts as chapters in my life versus entire stories. Because I've messed up. I've done things that have burned people that have served me with the love of God. But they continue to serve and say, you know what, this is a chapter. This isn't your story. 
And so that's the kind of desire that we have to have. But it's also looking into other people and realizing that they are stories, not chapters. And if we put in the effort to serve and to love, we're talking about lifetimes. We're talking about whole books, not chapters. Thought number three is to trust God to use your gifts for more. And so many times we can limit what God wants to do within us because all of these gifts we are practicing are beginning, um, are be, because really they're bringing glory to God himself. When we use our gifts, we're bringing glory to God. When we encourage others, we are bringing glory to God because of that. And so where I might want to do something so that I feel more important, God says, you know what, you need to do something to glorify me, not you. And so God is glorified when people know him through the gifts that you are using to impact them. So when you use a gift of service or when you open up your home for a meal and you're investing into the life of someone else, whether they're Christian or not, you're bringing glory to God in those actions, in those acts of service. You're bringing glory to God himself because of the gifts that you're using. And so sometimes, though, we have to just think about how far we think our gifts can go. And so sometimes we get into that. God, I don't think you've gifted me to, like, do something crazy. I remember in high school— I was, someone said, hey, you should sing and lead worship. And I was like, no way. I'm not singing in front of people. This is weird. I'll sing in a choir where I can like hide behind the person in front of me, you know. And so someone said, no, you should really like lead worship. You have a good voice or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't think that's true, but whatever. And so you just do it. And so you go like months and years down the line and you look back and say, wow, how was I able to do that? And that's the grace of God gifting you and using you to do something else. Some of you, like, if you just open your home to someone, you might think, wow, this is cool. But then as you do it more and more, you might begin to just think, God, how far can you take this? What if you begin opening your home and maybe you become a foster parent? Or what if you open your home and you begin to think, you know, how can I just invest in people more? Maybe I need to get involved in the food bank every single week because I just love investing in people. And years, weeks, years, months down the line, you might look back and say, God, you took this gift way farther into way more than I had ever thought or imagined. And that's how God uses us. Ephesians 3.20 says this. He says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. What you ask for God, he wants to do more than that. What we think God's power is using us to do, God wants to go past that. In verse 11 of 1 Peter, of the verses we read, it says, Do it with all your strength and energy that God supplies. God supplies the power for us to serve and love other people so that he can be glorified. And that's important to know, is when it's for glorifying him, he's going to give you all power to do the things that even you think might be huge or crazy, things that go past your giftings. And so it kind of comes down to open-ended prayers. God, who do you want me to encourage today? God, who am I going to encounter today that needs my help? Who can I invite over for dinner? Who can I open my house to? Does someone need a place to stay? When we begin to pray those open prayers, where we just ask God, you tell me what to do. Then we begin to take steps farther and farther. And where we might think our gifting can only take us to here, 
when we begin to ask for open-ended prayers of God, he begins to take us farther and farther and farther, and he always will give us the power to actually do those things. And so we go into the final thought today, and this that we need to use our gifts well. Use your gifts well. And so you are responsible to sharpen and develop your gifts. If you know that God has a gift inside of you, if you know about loving and serving other people, if you feel like God's given you words to speak over other people, then it's important for us to begin to sharpen and develop them. And the way that we do that is by using them. It is part of being a good steward of God who has entrusted us with these gifts to begin to use them for his glory. Verse 10 says, use our gifts well to serve one another. We need to use our gifts well, and we do that through use. There's a parable that Jesus says in Luke 19, and so what, he, what he's doing, he's using this opportunity to just teach a group of people, and he says this, you know, there's a story of a rich nobleman, and he's going to go off to a, a far-off distant land, but before he goes, he's a, you know, he's a rich guy, but he wants to become a king. And so he's going to go to this far-off land to become a king, to, like, be crowned. But before he goes, he gets ten servants, and he gives them ten pounds of silver, one pound for each of them. And then other translations, you might read this story, and it says ten minas. So either way, it's about three months of wages. He's going to give each of these ten servants three months of wages, and he's just going to say, when I come back, I want to see what you've done with my investment. And so he goes off to this far land. He becomes king. And then a time later, he comes back. And so he's like, okay, I wonder what, what my investment has brought me. So he goes to the first person. And he says, what have you done with my investment? And the person looks to him and says, uh, king, I have used what you gave me, and I have turned it into ten more. So the one story will say, I, you gave me one mina, and I got ten more minas. And so it, the king is just ecstatic, excited. So he goes on to the second one. He says, king, I didn't do as good as the first guy, but I got five. You know, I turned your one into five minas, five uh, things of silver for you. And so the king's like, that is great. I am very proud of you. And so then this third one comes. And so the, the th- thing about this story is we don't even know four through ten of the rest of the people, we stop at three because the third person comes to the master, to the king, and he says this, you know what? I know you're a hard man. I know that you deal harshly with your investments. And so what I did is I took what you gave me and I hid it because I wanted to make sure I had it when you came back. And so the master comes and he takes it and he says, you foolish, wicked servant. You could have at least invested this in the bank and got a small return from your investment, but you just held it and you did not do anything with it. And so we read in Luke 19, 17, this is his response to the the servant who got 10 back. He says, well done, the king explained. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be the governor of 10 cities as your reward. And for the servant who got five back, he gave five cities. And for the servant who just held it on to, he took that mina and gave it to the servant who had ten. And we might think that's unfair, and we might think that that's cruel because you just took from the guy who only had one. 
But the point of this story, of this parable that Jesus is saying, is that if we just sit and hide on our gifts, if we just sit and hide on the blessings that God has given us, then other people aren't going to be loved, other people aren't going to be served, and God's not going to be glorified. When we hold on to our gifts, we are robbing other people of the opportunity to be loved, to be invested into, to be served. We're robbing them of the opportunity to know the love of Jesus and to know that there's something else that this life has to offer. Our gifts are to be used well for the service and love of others so that we can bring glory and honor to Christ whose spirit is living in us, giving us gifts and empowering us for service and love. And so today's action point is simple. It's just that we need to recommit our gifts to the mission of Jesus. Maybe there's a time where you would say, you know what, I used to feel like I was gifted, but things got hairy in my life and I just stopped using those gifts. Maybe you've never felt like you've been empowered. Today is where we get to look at re and not realizing that it also means new, that we can start fresh. But how can we recommit our gifts? How can we look inside of ourselves and God, what have you done in my life that I can invest into other people? How am I serving others? How am I loving others? Maybe that's how I can find and know how you've gifted me. How I can begin to dream and imagine and let you empower me past even those things. That's the importance of recommitting our gifts to him. And there's this urgency that we haven't addressed yet in that first Peter verse. He starts off that section by saying, the end of the world is coming soon. And so I'm not up here screaming and proclaiming that, you know, today's the last day of your life. But it, I am want to just say this is urgent. Like every day that we waste not loving other people is missed opportunities. We're missing missional moments if we choose to be like the wicked servant that just holds on to it. It says he put it in a cloth and like put it on a shelf. And so sometimes we need to open up that cloth, take it off the shelf and just say, God, how do you want to use me today? How do you want me to invest and just serve my neighbor? How do you want me to invest and serve other people at Open Life? How do you want me to invest and serve with someone in my small group? And so Peter's not calling these people to do anything crazy. He's not saying, go like just run with your heads cut off and shouting, the end is coming, the end is coming. He's saying, go and just love people. Go and just serve someone. Go and just love someone. Because all of us, you never know the opportunities you have. You never know if it's your last moment or if it's their last moment to know who Jesus is, to know the love of Christ. And that's the urgency that we have to have in recommitting that today is the day. I'm going to think about, God, how you've gifted me to just touch someone else, to love, to serve someone else. And so some practical ways that we can do this. You have neighbors. You have coworkers. You have people you come in contact daily. Just think about how could I just encourage them with words? How could I serve them? Maybe I make brownies for someone at work or uh, I don't know why I thought of that thing. But it's just kind of like maybe you like just grab someone's trash can and take it up to their house or 
like our newspaper pretty much sits out on our street for like the whole week until we throw it away at the next trash round. If you walk by someone's house that has trash, grab it and like throw it over on their porch just so they can know that it's there. They might read it. Um, here at Open Life, I just want you to know when there's people, like there's people serving right now that are teaching our kids, our children, like they're using spiritual gifts to love and serve our kids, to love and serve you. Our drivers who drive (laughs) every morning at like really early to get everything ready. And I'm crying because it means a lot for the drivers. You know, I love the drivers. So um, that's a spiritual gift of service that encourages me. (laughs) It should encourage you. When people make coffee, when people come up here and sing, when Dave sings and leads worship, when Mandy leads and sings worship, when she's playing, she's using spiritual gifts to love and serve other people. And so how could we get more involved? How could we use our gifts to love and serve other people? So I'm not saying that we only do this in the church. We do it out of the church. But when we get to do it for the church, it's special and it's cool. And finally, there are small groups. Maybe you're thinking, you know, my gift is speaking into people. Maybe you should lead a small group. Maybe you should have people come over to your house. Small group leaders, that's like a mix of where you can do it if you're just into serving or you can do it if you're just into speaking because you have the opportunity to speak and to host at the same time. So let's pray together. God, thank you for this moment uh, just to come before you, God, and examine ourselves, to think about our lives and how we're loving other people. Maybe we don't know what our spiritual gift is. Maybe we were a little intimidated by that thought of you gifting us. And so, God, I just pray that we get super practical, that we think, God, how am I loving someone? What are the ways that I help people? And begin to think about how we can use that to bring honor and glory to you. God, and I pray that through those uh, moments of thinking and just getting excited about those things, God, that you would take us past what we even think or imagine that you can do through us. That a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, we would just look back and say, wow, you really took that gift and you took it way farther than I ever thought or imagined. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would do that same as we invest in the other people, that we would think about their lives a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, and realize that when I love someone in a moment, when I serve someone in a moment, it is about a chapter but when I can look at it for the grand scheme of life, it's about their whole story. And I pray, Lord, that we would use those missional moments to bring you glory and you honor so that more and more people would come to know you. So I ask all this in your name. Amen.